Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Ernesto, Alexi, and Stephanie. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Uh, welcome to part three of the Gen Con recap. We've already done two with the other group. Um, this was your first Gen Con. Yes. Yes, it was. For all three of us, I believe, right? Yep. Yes, first Gen Con. We'll go through your Gen Con thoughts after, but uh, games you've played. Uh, starting with uh, Cosmoctopus. Okay. Uh, we'll just, we don't have to go through kind of everything, but just general feelings on Cosmoctopus from art theme mechanics, overall enjoyment. So I, I liked the artwork of it. I thought it was themed pretty well. I liked the small plasticky bits. And then we played for, I'd say five minutes. And that's kind of where the cliff was. Can, can you start with like a quick overview of like what general gameplay okay so like i guess you would call it an engine builder. 30 seconds yeah it's like an engine builder um you know multiple people you take your actions on your hands you build resources to play cards and your whole goal is to either um earn enough resources to like get these bonuses or play a certain number of cards that get you tentacles basically so play cards get resources get tentacles and kind of just go through like that um the big problem is that the card selection you have is very limited and there's not a good way of getting through them and um, I don't feel like the gameplay itself was fun enough to really warrant putting up with something like that. Yeah, it was thematically very cool. And there was a lot of promise of sick combos that you could perform with your cards in this hypothetical engine builder. But it was just plagued by being crippled by bad draw and the shop not having the right items. So we never got to experience anything cool about it and went a number of turns doing effectively nothing. Yep, I have to agree with everything. Um, you had like these cards that gave you like permanent buffs and superpower things, but when you went through the deck, those powers were all literally the exact same. Just like some were slightly better than the others, and when you had nothing but those same like three cards out, it was just kind of bland. All right, next up we've got Bosk. Uh, so Bosk is. I don't know if I can describe board games very well. Uh, Bosk is a game where you plant trees and then you eventually let your trees die and leaves fly everywhere. And I don't think they die when the leaves drop. Our, our trees exploded. <laughs> our guy did tell us to remove the trees every time, yeah. Yeah, but we right. thematically made it trees exploding. Yeah, of course you did. Like a lovely cloud. It's, a, it's a beautiful sacrifice. Uh, but yeah, so you plant some trees. The seasons change. I don't really understand the whole season changing part of it because it was kind of weird, but you plant trees and then at another round, you then um, put leaves down and you try to take as many spaces as you can. Yeah, there were season changes, but it was really just two seasons that were relevant. The first season was set up and the last season was scoring. So it was just a bit of aggressive theming there for the trees and nature but it was just a pretty straightforward area control game where you spread your leaves and you own the land it's pretty fun yeah no, I, I enjoyed it well enough um so you know it's been brought up before you have the two halves of it one is where you have to place your trees down to try and get a certain number of points per row or column but um i liked how the second half really depended a lot on what you did in the first half where the second half is you the second half, you uh, you placed your leaves down depending on your original tree placement from the first half. So if you played really poorly in the first half, you still might be able to pull it together in the second. 
or vice versa. Or, you know, if, if you know what you're doing, you can really knock it out of the park on the first and the second. It's just, it's a lot deeper than I was expecting. Next up, we got Blank Slate. And that was a party game in which you picked a word and then everyone had to write on their whiteboard a word related to that word. And you wanted to match what you wrote with somebody else, but only one other person. And it was pretty decent. I think it would have been terrible if it was just three or four people. But we had eight and it went by pretty quick. Nothing outstanding. I don't think it did much better than a game like just one for what I'd pull out at a party. But it was fun enough. Yeah, I think it hits the same sort of notes as just one does. Um, Like Alexei said, party game. It's a lot better with a lot of people. Super quick and easy to pick up. Super easy to play. Um, Nothing particularly deep strategy wise, but it's fun. And I think that's all a party game needs to be. Um, our group is notoriously slow with every game that we play. And that was the first time we've played a game that I'm like, we finished in 10 minutes and <laughs> I don't know what to do with my time now. So yeah, very quick, very easy. You can definitely play like multiple. Would you play it over just one? No, I think I'd rather do just one. Uh, I mean, like Slate was fun for if you had big groups, like we've mentioned, but just one, I think is a little bit better overall. I, I honestly couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I would probably play it if you had seven or more people, but not if you had six or less. It only <laughs> really... It's a rough player count. <laughs> it is, but it's not more fun than just one unless you have a lot of people. This is actually much more of an icebreaker game because you learn how people think and what their first thought is when they see certain words or phrases. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'll agree with that. All right. Next up, we have role player with all expansions included. Oh my goodness gracious. I really wanted to like role player when we, um, when we started and then three hours later when we wrapped up the game, I just could not wait for it to be over. Um, I, I don't know if it's a problem with the game itself. I don't know if it's just not for me. It just felt like it dragged on way too long. Or the long. teach of the game. I mean, I don't want to drag anybody into it. Or the we, of the expansion. We have, it could be the expansions. We have played role player. I've played it a couple of times. Gooey's played it a number of times. I've never heard it taking three hours. Man, well, whatever the case may be, um, in my opinion, I felt like the the player interaction was not there. Um, and I will also say it's a little bit different when you're dealing with strangers at at a convention. If it was the four of us and I could be as rowdy and stupid as I normally am, I think maybe it would change my opinion of it. But I try to be a little bit less, um, you know, loud and obnoxious around strangers. So. I don't know. I don't really agree with that because you were loud and obnoxious. <laughs> I was going to ask which part of that you disagreed with. But... The, the, the part where um, it just being the four of us and being loud and obnoxious, like there was three of us, three of our group was there. And even though we had one person, so maybe you'd be a little bit calmer. I feel like Alexi and I would probably not. <laughs> and it, there just didn't feel like there was times to interact with anybody. So it just kind of was like, oh, what do you guys think about this? Okay, I'm just going to grab this card. Okay, your turn, I guess. And I know that it wasn't just the teacher. I don't know what happened, but there was a group right next to us, and they had played before. They also took three hours. So I don't know what was causing this time gap here, but that was a long... If it had been an hour... If it had been an hour, I think I'd have been okay. But three hours was way too long. Yeah, I had actually forgotten about the group next to us because that game had numbed my senses by the end of it. But it was 
very appealing when we started. And I remember enjoying myself for about 30 minutes to an hour. And unfortunately, there was just so much downtime in that game when with no player interaction and there wasn't a lot to be excited about. You just made a few decisions on very limited choices. I had even more limited choices. One of the expansions locked me out of half of the gameplay. <laughs> so that was pretty suboptimal. It just felt like playing really advanced Yahtzee that was skinned to be D&D. You roll some dice and you put them in a place and the things you do have almost no impact on anybody else. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a low interaction game, but that isn't necessarily like, so it's Cascadia, but we, you guys haven't played that, but you know, there's, there's low interaction games we enjoy. It's the key with those is it's got to get, you can't have 15, 20 minutes between your turn. That, and it sounds like for some reason that was happening. That was the big one. Yeah. If we had kept this down to like 30 minutes, I feel like I would have, um, we would have been wrapping it up while I was still enjoying it. Yeah. But I do remember there was distinctly a point near the mid end of the game when the game slowed down to half speed, you only drew one dice instead of two. And, you know, had it been shorter, I would have been excited to have more turns, but it just really sucked the soul out of me. Yeah, it was painful. All I could think of was just, dear God, now it's going to take twice as long. <laughs> and again, a lot, of, a lot of time spent, a lot of downtime, and for not really a good payoff, in my opinion. Okay. Stephanie did win a ribbon and... Something else? A D6. One a D6. D6 from a anniversary from it's like kind of a funny couple like Roll, years ago. Roll of the Galaxy was one of our worst ones. I'm pretty sure we got like a ribbon and a D6. So maybe it's just a thing. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Mission Control. All right. Mission Control <laughs> was a uh, asymmetrical cooperative race against a clock played in real time where uh, you had one player play as a aphronaut, they called it, stranded in space and suffocating with 20 minutes on a fairly dramatic timer, though our host had given us simply his iPhone stopwatch app, which was significantly less dramatic. Uh, it was pretty easy when we played. If I had to give it any big negative, it was just too easy. The communication limits were very minor and calm, collected gameplay solved it in less than half the time required. The roles were a bit confusing, and there could have been better rules for explaining, for example, how the Sudoku worked. But uh, I did play it again, so I liked it. I'm not a huge sci-fi fan, so this is just kind of a negative on my end. But the big problem I have is if you're not the person who's getting like all of the tasks and everything, you're playing Sudoku, which is like... That's what I that's the board game I chose is I'm just playing Sudoku or you're playing weird not really Tetris but you've got like the Tetris blocks and you're just filling them in or you're doing like simple adding math and it's like that's not really what I want in a board game it's kind of bland to me theme I think could have been okay if there was a little bit more atmosphere with like Something going on. It's a rolling right. You're never going to get too much theme out of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I do feel like it might have been better if you are the person who needs oxygen. But overall, yeah, I didn't really enjoy it. I, I thought it was pretty fun. Um, I enjoyed the asymmetrical aspect of it. 
Uh, so you have the four different roles. You know, you have your three stations here on Earth, and then you have one person out in space. Um, I liked that you could hit certain squares on your board, no matter which role you were, and essentially give somebody a bonus. You know, so if somebody was in a tight spot, you could help them out. Um, I really enjoyed um, saying command lock when we were passing control back over to the uh, the the Aethernaut, um to build off what Alexei was saying. Yes, it was very, it was pretty easy. Um, and I think the expansions are supposed to help with that. Right. So we did actually play with the expansions later and it made the game much more dynamic and difficult. And we finished with 16 seconds on the clock and it was quite fun. That feels like a little bit better because the first time we did it in what, 10? We did it in 10 and then 11 minutes of a stranger is day for not. Yeah. Which, you know, take that how we will. But, um, I really feel like the, the time pressure could have been stressed a little bit more. Something like Fuse that has that like timer that plays the sounds on it would be nice, or something like Space Alert that has that um, the atmospheric um, CD with it. I think would really help a lot. But not bad. Enjoyed it well enough. I'd play it again. I mean, even with the the advanced puzzles, you're still doing a puzzle. So if you're not, it's a roll and write. <laughs> like, yes, if yes. you don't like that, then it's probably not going to change well, too much. But it is not a roll and write for VA or not. Hundred percent roll and write. Oh, for the A for not specifically. I mean, he's still rolling dice and then choosing an action based off of. I mean, he's not writing, oh, but fair. it's a roll and write. <laughs> well, really, one side roll rolls and the other free write. Right. But. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, next up on our list, we've got Garden Guests, which was a beta game. Uh, so you play as groups of three, or you can have two people on a team. So it can go up to six. Uh, and you play as. Beetles trying to get to the other side, and you're just eating little flowers and making a pathway. Um, but the game can only be won by one person because you're not allowed to cross over other people's paths. So you each start on like one end of the map, and you're trying to get across to the other end. And it's a lot of fighting each other for that pathway. Yeah, it's a hexagonal grid card drawing game where you choose between making a path from one large mushroom to another and you have to have enough cards in your hand to match the differently colored mushrooms between those two paths or drawing cards and hoping that you are better equipped next turn and it's uh closest relation would be blockus if i had to compare it yeah um for a game about beetles in a garden there's a lot more strategy and it got a lot more, um, I don't want to say bloodthirsty, but we were definitely like out out for each other towards it. And I usually say that in a bad way, but it felt fine in this game. It was aggressive. It was definitely not, you know, it was definitely competitive, but it just felt strategic. And I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. All the individual actions you can take on a turn are pretty simple. Um, you know, you bid for a spot. Somebody else cannot bid you or you take it and you build your lines. And that's about all there is to it. But Surprisingly got a lot of depth out of it, a lot of player interaction. Um, yeah, fantastic game. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I had a situation where I had Ernesto completely blocked off, in a sense, in that all I had to do was play one flower card and he was going to be blocked off and he would be out of the game. However, my main focus was Alexi, so I had to decide what's more important, what's a bigger threat, keeping Ernesto, getting Ernesto out or keeping Alexei at bay. And it pretty much involved letting Ernesto kind of keep creep, 
like creeping through until he was getting closer and closer. And I was like, okay, I guess I have to kill you now. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm excited to see it come out of beta. Yeah. Come in the full release. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. That's one thing I really enjoyed. Though. They called it a beta. That's what they called it. Yes. Um, that's one thing I really enjoyed though, is that even though I was one move away from failure, it still felt like I could have taken it just, just because you have the pressure. You only have one action. You need to figure out how to block somebody else while also keeping yourself going. I don't know. Liked it a lot. So hopefully when it's out of beta, we'll uh, play it again. <laughs> All right. Next up we have night cage. Oh, oh boy. I loved a night cage. Um, how would you describe it? It's, it's a square grid um, up to, I believe five players, very limited movement. Um, very, very heavy cooperation. You need other people. Um, essentially you are a prisoner trapped in an underground ever shifting labyrinth in the dark. And all you have to see is a single candle. Um, squares are revealed one at a time as you move to them. And if anything is not illuminated by your candle, which extends out from a single square from where you are, uh, it's gone. It falls off the board and it is lost to the ether. And if you go back the same way you came, you're going to be pulling different cards, different squares. Um, it's everything is constantly changing. So you really need to focus heavily on getting people together, making sure that everybody is illuminated properly. Um, and the whole time you're doing this, you are trying to sift through the deck to find keys, which everybody needs a, a single one of to get to a gate to get out. And it's pretty simple, but I really think that it, it, it crushed the theme. Like the card art looks fantastic. Um, there's a lot of like, pressure when it comes to moving it's like you don't know if what you find is going to be an enemy if it's going to be what you need um things happen that force movement that kick you out of your square or that snuff your candle out and that one pathway that you just needed to get across could be gone and now you have to try and figure out how you are going to to salvage it basically i i liked it a lot we picked that one up actually yeah the biggest issue of the game was the art was relatively weak and there wasn't good design in terms of telling what card was different than another card. However, playing it, it felt quite thematic and fun. And yeah, definitely going to play it again. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I thought I had a weird feeling with it when it came to the art because I enjoyed it. But I definitely agree. Like a lot of the cards look very, very similar and it's all black and white. So it was like. Wait, is this a crossroad? Is this a monster? I, it's hard to tell in some of those, um, but I definitely enjoyed it. I think it was a very good, like, cooperative game. I enjoyed actually interacting and working with each other because we definitely had to work with it. However, I can see if you have a group where someone takes control, it's an easy one that it's probably not going to be fun, where you have one person who's like, you got to do this on your turn, and you got to do this on your turn. Thankfully, our group's not like that, so it wasn't an issue, but I could see that being an issue. I think the only thing I'm going to add um, is that the, the key distribution. So you need keys to get out. There's no mechanic to make sure that you get those keys that's not at the bottom of the deck, if that makes sense. So what I would do is take the deck, split it into two halves, take the number of keys, and kind of put them in each half. To ensure that you are not burning through the entire... So you could just have all four keys or however many at the yeah, very exactly. last three yeah. tiles. Or you, or you could get all four of them at the beginning. And then there's like, you know, you get lucky. But yeah. I feel like it would alleviate some of the randomness. Yeah, it's like the pandemic style of you put in the cards. 
in quarters of the deck or whatever. Because, I mean, we had that happen a few times where, like, you know, we <clears throat> needed something and we just kept drawing and it was not coming together. And, but, yeah, we also played it with two strangers, worked great, Did went through it, what, three times in total? So. Next up on our list, we got Far Shore. Uh, this is definitely my favorite game of Gen Con. Um, so you play, <laughs> you play, what you're doing is building up a town full of animals and everything, but the way everyone played it was significantly different from each other. And it was super, super cool to see. You have like these several different locations that you can put your like animals onto and you can collect resources and then you use those resources to buy things. And it was technically like four seasons, I think is what they called it. I don't remember. Um, but it immediately like, you were like, oh, that seems pretty short. You only have four seasons, collect some things. But the whole point is to... Engine build? <laughs> Worker placement engine builder? Yeah, we're, I'm bad at that kind of concept. I don't know how to speak that. <laughs> but yeah, so you build up everything so that when you have your city and it does something, it'll be like, hey, you need this and that activates this. And then you got like 15 other things that activate. And then you just start raking in like money or resources and keep playing new things. And it's really fun. Yeah. Um, I loved the art. I thought it was very thematically appropriate. Um, it was, it was fun every time we got to draw new cards into like the shared market space, just because the art is so beautiful and it's so evocative and the board itself looks very nice. And it, it really felt, yeah, like you were putting together your own little animal, your own little animal village. And, um, yeah, like you said, um, just different approaches to it. I wanted to be a bastion of industry. So I got all the the producing stuff. I got all like the rock uh, rock places. I started building all the, the beach sleds and I don't know. It's just, it was, it was very, very fun and it was just enjoyable thematically. Yeah. As far as engine builders go, uh, I guess this was actually mechanically pretty similar to Cosmo Octopus, but it's quality of life features such as having eight cards available at any one time to pick from were spectacular and side there were a few side objectives like for me i just kept uh driving my ship around and looking for loot in the open ocean See, nobody's mentioned crabs and boats yet weren't there crabs and boats? there were crabs and boats and that was uh my entire play style was to maximize how far my boat crab could travel and it went very well and i'm i think i came out slightly on top yes i I, I, towards the end of the game, like I stopped caring so much about like getting points and I just cared about the town that I was building. The first couple cards I drew were pigeons. So I'm like, I got to have like a whole mail system going on. And unfortunately mailbox was like literally the last thing I drew and it didn't give me points, but I needed to put it in there for my poor pigeons. But the art was incredible. I enjoyed every single time we'd pull out new animals. We got all excited. It was just like, a sea lion in like a little coat and he'd be so cute. Systems officer. I, I would like to play this game. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. very, very good. Um, I would like to add that watching Alexei pull a single card and then just have his ship haul ass <laughs> like 15 squares was, was actually very fun to watch, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a perfectly valid way of playing. And I mean, I came in last due to some poor, you know, moves on my part, but if I had played a little bit, you know, 
more strategically, I feel like we all would have been very close in score because the two of you were pretty close, even though you did completely different things. And I thought I was going to get smoked score wise. It actually came together really well and it didn't feel unbalanced. Um, like Alexei said, having that set of cards there, like it was nice. Yeah, I definitely loved my boat engine. <laughs> my entire city built around just driving a boat. Just screaming around <laughs> the world. And it, um, there was a lot of strategy that I didn't really see until near the end of the game because you have a hard limit of 15 both combination of creatures and buildings that can be in your town. So playing too many good ones early really limits you late game for scoring. Thankfully, there's also some small mechanics like demolishing a building or evicting someone and turning them into a castaway that help you uh, claw back some mistakes, though. All right. Well, next up is Galaxy Trucker. So, okay. Well, Galaxy Trucker is uh, tile placement, I guess you would call it. Mm -hmm. It's very chaotic. Uh, it's all played real time. You have a mess of tiles in the middle of the board, all face down, and everybody has their own individual ship. And the entire point is you reach into the pile, you bring it over to you, flip it over. So you can't look at it earlier or anything. Um, figure out where does this fit on my board? Does it match the connections that I have? Because not all tiles can go next to all other tiles. Does it have enough uh, crew quarters? Does it have enough guns? Does it have enough shields? Does it have enough fuel? And you try your best to just cobble together this um, horrible monstrosity of a ship. And then once everybody's done building, you actually take it out and you go on a on a, a voyage, a trip, a delivery mission, whatever the hell it is, depending on what it is you're doing. Um, events come up, you know, it can take on cargo, you get attacked by asteroids, and you just really hope that your uh, your clunker holds together until you hit the end of it. It was it was very fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah, you and your head. You and your friends hit up the space scrapyard and desperately rush for parts and compete over it. Build your junkers, go out and try to make some money and probably lose half your ship to asteroids. It was pretty fun, yeah. but also really brutal. I'm going to be the odd one out. I really didn't like it. <laughs> it just wasn't the game for me. Um, I kind of struggled with figuring out how to put the ship together. Um, but I can definitely see why someone would enjoy it. There's a lot of chaos. It definitely seems like a fun game like kids could play too because there's a lot of like fighting over the pieces and just kind of digging through and just building a ship like as quickly as possible. But it just wasn't for me. Being a real time game with a lot of rules and mechanics, it is rough for inexperienced players. 100%. Yeah. I think it's an idea that you could just play through it once, build a busted ass ship. It falls apart and it's like, you, whatever, like, I will say it's it's pretty quick to pick up and do. Um, so if you did want to give it a practice run or two, it wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Um, one thing I really wanted to mention. So you start with your little board that's got all your squares on it. And then once your first mission's over, you flip it over and you get a bigger ship. And then when the second mission's over, you unfold the board and you get this massive fucking juggernaut. And it made me so happy the first time we did it. And I just really wanted to put that in there. Yeah, thank you, Galaxy Trucker. I want like a movie built in this because it's the same as the Space Alert universe. So you've just got these ships where all you do is push a button, and the ships are built in like thirty minutes or less from a scrapyard. <laughs> it's like I just imagining what society has come up with. This. 
Like, this is some of the worst ships that could it's possibly like exist. the most inefficient culture ever. You, you could literally put an engine inside your ship and destroy the inside of your ship because yeah. you failed to put it on the outside of the ship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to hold your hand. If you want to make that decision, you could do it. It would also explain why there's so many uh, derelict, you know, ships <laughs> floating about. Lot, yeah. yeah. All right. And to wrap it up, we've got Into Stars. It was a personal favorite of mine at uh, Gen Con. It's a roll and write where you try to all draw constellations after and score points based on what your constellation required. Um, it's okay to be bad at drawing. I drew a penguin, and it looked like a Tetris piece. But, you know, it's up to interpretation. It's the sky, after all. Cultures were built on this penguin. <laughs> uh, I must admit, I don't actually remember the mechanics too well, <laughs> but it was super, super fun. It was still in the process of being made. Um it definitely is for all ages. Like you had, we had a kid in our group and then we had father and then us and another woman in there. So it was definitely a good group of people and a variety and the colors, the colors were so great. It was this like neon colors. And instead of using like a dry erase or something, you use this like neon crayon to draw. It was just so satisfying. So to expand a little bit on the mechanics, you've got you've got a grid of squares, basically, and each little grid has a bunch of small stars in it. They're different shapes. You've got circles, squares, and triangles. And at the corners, you have what are, I forgot what they're called, major stars or something. But you, you draw a constellation card. It tells you what it's supposed to be. I, I got a cat, I think. It tells you how many of each type of star you need in there. So I needed like nine triangles. It tells you how many quadrants you have to cover, um, and it tells you what shapes you need to have in your constellation. So you need to have like a box, you need to have a triangle, um, you need to have you know, things like that. And take your dice, um, you always roll at least two based off of what major stars you need in your constellation, which I really appreciated, because it meant that you could not, you're not going to have a dead turn where you just roll nothing. Um, and then you also roll a certain number of like blue dice. And you pick the ones that you want, whoever is playing. Everyone else gets whatever's left. So everybody is always doing something on a turn. And you make your constellation. And it was, it was very simple, but it filled me with so much joy. <laughs> just making my cat that had a tail of like 15 stars that just went all across the galaxy. And... It was relaxing. It was fun. Um, there was there was some level of strategy in there. Like, what do I need to roll? Do I want to use these two dice to like make my triangle? Do I want to try and like branch out under another quadrant? Um, the art was good. The colors were phenomenal, and it made me feel like a kid in the best possible way. I would say, as far as rolling rights go, it's probably one of my favorites. It did not do anything novel. Did not do anything that I would call mechanically unique, but it felt great to play. It had you always able to continue drawing your constellation, whether or not you were rolling, and you had a side, two little side quests to do set collection to have aliens go and visit your constellation and uh, wormhole tokens so you could time when you finished your constellation. It was so simple and fun, and yet it still had a lot of strategic choices to make if you really wanted to do more than just draw your cat, penguin, monkey, whatever. Um, I, I definitely like rolling lights, like sounds like this or cartographers where you have like a fun thing you've made at the end. So you don't like really care, have to care about points. You just sort of make something fun. Yeah. 
Um, I definitely like those style. Um, but yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what uh, favorite thing about Gen Con? In general or only games? It's just overall. I just love anything at Gen Con. Man, walking around the vendor hall, seeing all the people there, um, seeing like the little booths that had people, like, or, like the rooms that people had set up, and just being able to gush about board games was fantastic. Loved it. Felt great. I've done a lot of various fandom conventions, but this is the first one I've done of so much structure, and it made the convention experience about a thousand times more enjoyable. Well, my favorite moment was going to a random artist in the artist's alley at a vendor hall and just getting into a conversation about the future of artificial intelligence for about 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, I've also been through several conventions and I always like the art (laughs) in conventions. So that's always a huge selling point for me. Um, And definitely playing all the different types of board games, seeing a lot of board games that aren't even out yet and getting to play those was a a whole lot of fun because you actually got to work with usually the creators. A lot of the other games creators are there. So that's really cool. You can kind of get information about like why they made the game the way it is and stuff. And it's, it's super neat. Break their beta games. (laughs) Yeah. Which we did a lot actually. One of the coolest moments was we played um, raccoon tycoon and the artist was Annie Stagg. It's like we played the game like this art's amazing. And like we ran over to our booth and like (laughs) bought stuff and had her sign it. So um. it was it was great. Um, I'm debating whether I prefer this to Comic-Con or not. And I think I do. No, no contest for me. (laughs) Uh, Lobster rolls were good. Lobster was good. good. We played steam up as well. We didn't talk about that, but it was fun. Food trucks were good. Uh, we got locked in our bedroom one of the days. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely check your Airbnb reviews. Uh-huh. Recommend Jerry's place. Yeah. As for Jerry, we already went over this in our, our review. Sorry, <laughs> was mentioned. Part three. All right. If you have any recommendations of games you'd like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do it via email at firstturntabletop at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at firstturncast. The podcasting camel says, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. <laughs>